Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi there, I'm Dale, and I'm here to tell you the story of the time I pretended to be rich to get into a billionaire's party and ended up getting proposed to by a rich girl. For as long as I can remember, I've disliked the rich kids in our town. All they did was flaunt their parents' wealth and look down on everyone else. From afar, I watched as they drove in and out of school in their fancy cars, hand-in-hand with pretty, vain, shallow girls. Off to their marble mansions, I thought to myself. Nevertheless, I felt envious. I wondered to myself how it would feel to not be poor as we were. I lived in the poor side of town. The wrong side of the tracks, as some people might say. My father was poor, and so was his father before him. As far as I knew, our family had always lived there. In that same brow-beaten, crumbling house for generations. Sometimes, I wonder if some people are simply destined to be poor. That if all that self-determination crap we were taught as kids was simply that. Crap. Growing up poor, but constantly seeing obscene displays of wealth did a number on me. I felt defeated. I felt like I'd been left out. I wanted just for one day to feel how it felt to not worry about money, or food, or tuition. I wanted to have that swagger that the rich kids had. They walked about with the confidence of someone who knew the world was at their fingertips. Just for one day, I wanted the world at my feet as well. My opportunity came when one day, as I was on one of my part-time jobs, I heard a couple of rich kids talking about a party. They didn't even notice me eavesdropping. To them... Anyone around them who wasn't rocking a Rolex didn't warrant any attention. The people who rolled up in their fancy cars at that country club barely even gave me eye contact, as if by looking straight at me, my poverty might rub off on them. Garrett's having that thing this weekend, isn't he? One of the guys said to the other. The guy in a salmon shirt popped his collar, adjusted the sweater he used as a sad cape, and shrugged his shoulders. I don't know, man. You know, the Godfrey's hate having me. If they find out, I'm toast. My dad was close to disowning me the last time it happened, said the other as he got out of the passenger seat. Then, the guy in the salmon shirt tossed me his keys without as much as a glance my way. I had to half-dive towards the grass to catch them. You should still come, bro, 
His parents won't be there. It's gonna be the party of the century! I heard they're bringing an entire zoo. This Godfrey Van Blurk feud has got to stop somewhere, he said as he walked away towards the club's front doors. You're telling me, replied the other. The party of the century, I remembered thinking. Maybe I should make an appearance. It was just a joke. I was simply daydreaming, imagining myself dressed in designer clothes and climbing out of a Lambo. But then, at that very moment, the universe dumped me a gift in the form of a douchebag. Hey, valet, said the guy who got off of the yellow Lambo and immediately tossed me his keys. You know of any garage where I can leave my car for the weekend? I'm having my house fumigated, and I'm not about to leave this baby in there. The fumes, you know? And I'm not having those pest control people sitting on this leather. You know the type. I bet they'd take photos standing around it. This one actually looked straight at me, and something about that coincidence screamed fate. I was literally just thinking of a Lambo. I, 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 I don't know, I stuttered. Have you tried asking the club if they'd let you park here? I asked. Ah, there's an idea. Take care of it for me, will you? He said, handling me a rolled up $500 bill. That must have been the largest tip anyone has ever given me. So I nodded. Just for the weekend, sir? I asked. Yeah, I'll be staying at the hotel the next town over. Call me there if there's any trouble, he said. He handed me his business card, on which he scribbled the hotel's phone number. And no taking it for a test drive, or I'm telling your bosses, he warned before disappearing into the country club's doors. It was an odd situation and suddenly I had access to a sports car by odd means. If that wasn't a sign from the universe, I don't know what was. I skipped school on Friday. I had one full day to secure the look that would come with the car. The guy who ran the only dry cleaning business in town was a neighbor, and his daughter Lena was a close friend. I knew she'd be working that day, and so I made that my first stop. Hey! I said as I strolled in through the shop's door. What are you doing here, Dale? Don't you have school? said Lena. Don't you? I replied. Lena turned a shade of pink and raised her eyebrow at me. I'm training on the job, she said. I'll be running this place soon enough, and as far as I'm concerned, I don't need a diploma to hire myself. Hmm, touche, I said. Look, I've got a favor to ask you. I figured as much, said Lena. What is it? Nothing illegal, I hope. Depends on who asks, I replied. Lena wrinkled her forehead at me. I just want to borrow some nice clothes. I promise, nothing too bad, I said. Tsk, said Lena. I don't even want to know. Check the pile in the back, next to the broken tumble dryer. Lena's shop had a bunch of clothes people either forgot to come back for or just abandoned entirely. The dresses always went first. That stuff sold like gold amongst our kind of people. Lena tells her dad she gives all of it to the goodwill down the road, but not before the local wannabes and cash-strapped fashionistas have had their pick of the bunch. I remember my prom day got her dress from that discarded pile. She looked amazing in it. Lena owed me one. Actually, she owed me a few favors, and so I dug into the pile without any need to count how much it cost me. I eventually fished out a designer shirt, a pair of pants, and a coat to complete the look. 
It was probably the most expensive coat I'd ever touched in my life. When Lena gave me a look of disapproval, seeing as how I took three prize items from her pile of merchandise, the coat being the most valuable one, I reasoned, Just in case it rains, you know? I'll bring these back. Don't worry. You better not sweat in those. And have them back by Monday, she yelled as I exited the doors. Yes, boss, I called back. I had the car. I had the clothes. But I still hadn't completed the look. Everyone knows you can't tell if a person's rich or not by looking at their shoes. And furthermore, I'd look way out of place at one of Garrett's parties without sporting a Rolex. I was going to get into that party one way or another. And by that, I meant I was going to have to at least borrow more things. The next day, I woke up determined. It was Garrett's party in a matter of hours. And if the rumors were to be believed, the parties at the Godfrey Manor were so legendary, they'd last for days. I asked my sister to do my hair. I told my parents there was some event or other where I was needed as a waiter, and they bought it. I made my way back to the country club where my noble Italian steed awaited. And before I took that Lamborghini Murcielago for a spin round the winding, wooded roads that led to the Godfrey estate, I popped by the lockers by the sauna. I knew exactly where to look, because I knew exactly how our members behaved. 4B was Mr. Keaton's locker. He was always out of town, and whenever he was, he only really visited the club on Mondays. He was the type to be lax about his things. He would leave a pair of dress shoes in there for when he was running late to meetings and appointments. I heard he even left jewelry in there. Fingers crossed there was a watch in there somewhere, I thought. Bingo! I said as I opened the locker door after picking the lock. Mr. Keaton left a veritable treasure trove. I basically had my pick between three watches. I took the Rolex, of course. And the shoes did not disappoint either. I'll take good care of them, Mr. Keaton, I said to no one as I made my way down to the parking lot. The Murcielago's engine thrummed under me, and it felt good. The fabric of the clothes against my skin, the weight of the watch on my wrist. Dang, no wonder these rich kids walk different. I transformed too. When I got to the Godfrey Manor, I got out of the car in one fluid motion, as if I'd been driving it since I was five, and tossed the keys to the valet. Don't scratch it, I told him without even a glance in his direction. I strolled through the main doors of the manor as if I owned the place. Nobody even asked who I was. I strutted and smiled and pointed at random people in greeting as if I knew them. And nobody really checked. I danced and stuffed myself with the most amazing tiny food and marveled at the things money could buy. In the backyard, there was literally an entire zoo's worth of animals. I was on my way to pet a zebra when from the corner of my eye, I saw her. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. And she was looking back at me as if there was nobody else there. Not even the lions who were roaring for attention. I told her my name, and she told me hers. And we strolled the gardens together. We were an instant hit. You know that feeling when you meet someone new and it feels like you've known them forever? That's exactly how I felt about Kate. I want to tell her the truth by the end of the night. I knew I had to. But when I was about to say that I was actually poor, she took my hand, kissed me, and said... Marry me. I didn't know what I was thinking. I, I said yes. And that was the last I remembered of it. I woke up, looked at my borrowed watch, realized that half of Monday had already gone and that I was in bed with a woman I met not two days ago. 
The TV station told me I was in Vegas, and the ring on my finger confirmed my worst fears. And when I made to get up, a powerful hand rose from the covers and pulled me down. Where are you going in such a hurry, Mr. Godfrey? asked Kate. She made me take her name? Seriously? I don't remember agreeing to that, I thought. But more importantly, I knew Garrett was going to be pissed that I married his sister. Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, hi, Miss Elaine. I, I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double check. No, triple check. Uh, are you sure? A and and it it'll be in my contract, right? <laughs> of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, when can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I, I, I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, th thank you so much for this, this, this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit seven, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice, just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. 
It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall, but then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. N nothing. I was just imagining things. It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing. Just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me, and that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special, why my life was like a movie, like it was all fake. And then I realized.
It is. My life is probably a movie, and that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company, and I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched, but if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy, and maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me, but it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I, I knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I, I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I, I wanted to know your every move, but I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault, but please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy. Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Especially now that she's my girlfriend. I'm Alvin. Like most days, I got off the school bus and walked two blocks to the kindergarten where my mom works. As usual, I stood waiting for her at the front of the building. On that day, though, a man came from nowhere, grabbed my backpack, and ran away with it. Hey! That's my math homework you're stealing, I yelled after him. There's nothing of value to even steal! The man disappeared around the corner. Distraught, I slumped down and continued waiting for my mother. That's the price you pay for living here. Things like this happen all of the time. My mom finally got off work at 5 p.m. Someone stole my math homework while I was waiting for you, I told her. Just like me, she'd gotten used to it. You're lucky. Someone stole all four tires from a client's car today, she said laughing. <laughs> we continued chatting while walking to our fake home. You heard that right. I said fake. You'll figure out what I mean in a moment. You see, this old and rather dilapidated house goes with the rest of the neighborhood. After about 10 minutes, we made it to our fake home. My mom made herself a coffee as we waited for my dad until 6 p.m. After my dad came home from work, we spent another hour waiting impatiently. Then, we hurried around the house, closing the curtains so our neighbors wouldn't see us. From the moment the curtains closed every evening, we'd live as we truly are, like rich people. 
We went down to the basement of our fake home. My dad turned on the facial recognition system. We turned our faces to the hidden cameras. As soon as the system identified us, the secret door in our basement opened. The secret door revealed a 5.4 mile long tunnel. It's actually a subway line that belongs to my parents and me. We use this unique subway every night to reach our real home. After a short ride, we made it to our mansion. Our property is enclosed by 13 feet high walls. During the day, there are hundreds of people working here, maintaining the grounds. Maids, drivers, cooks, and gardeners. The staff leaves at 6.30 p.m. We arrive after they're gone, and it's only us at the mansion. We walked into the dining hall. We filled our plates with food from the buffet and sat down. The best chefs in the world cook a hundred different dishes every night. My dad asked, How was your day, son? Someone stole my backpack as I was waiting for mom. I had my math homework in that backpack. I need to do it all over again, I replied. Dad smiled. Bummer. I'm free tonight if you need help, he said. Dad, I hate hiding the fact that we're rich. Horrible things keep happening to us in that neighborhood, and they always will. Alvin, we talked about this so many times. We have to live this way. We have no choice but to adapt, he replied, frowning. Yes, we had talked about this many times, yet I still didn't understand why we had to hide that we were the wealthiest family in the world. My grandfather had won the biggest jackpot of all time from the lottery. On the way to claim his winnings, he and my grandmother got in a car accident. My grandmother died instantly. My grandfather fell ill in his grief. So, he hired a lawyer to get his affairs in order and found an investment advisor. I'm not going to touch this money. Invest with it as you like. I want my son to benefit from it in the future, he said. The advisor was very good at his job. He built hotels and shopping malls worldwide and bought shares in gold and diamonds and stakes in many successful companies. My grandfather's lottery winnings grew exponentially, reaching billions of dollars. When my grandfather died, my parents inherited all his wealth. For some reason, we have to hide it. We pretend to live in the lowest income neighborhood of our city. We can only enjoy the privileges of being wealthy when we're in the mansion. I've been putting up with this for years because my parents want me to, but I've had it. I want to live my best life 24 hours a day. It's my birthright. I thought about everything that night and came up with an idea. If I made sure my friends at school knew about how rich we were, they would definitely tell their friends and families. Word would spread like wildfire, and all kinds of people would know about our fortune. Then my parents would have to concede that it was impossible to hide any longer, and we could start living the high life every day. I put my plan into motion the next day without hesitation. To start, I decided to tell two people, Nancy and Justin. I can't really say that I like them. I think they're super obnoxious, but they both were pretty popular in school and loved gossiping. Thanks to them, my family's secret would be out in no time. After lunch, I called both of them to the schoolyard and cut to the chase. I'm going to share my family's biggest secret with you. They were both stunned. I'm not kidding what I'm about to tell you, so you've got to trust me, I said. I had to muster up the courage to keep speaking. Nancy and Justin waited with anticipation. They both stared at me intensely. My family is the richest family in the world. And I'm the richest kid in the world, I said. My friends just stared at each other. Then they both burst out laughing. If I'm honest, that's the reaction I was expecting. You don't believe me, and you have every reason not to. I'm going to ask you to come with me. What I'm about to show you is sure to convince you, I said. 
You better find other people to mess around with, Justin groaned. Nancy was all in. Alvin looks dead serious, she said, and I'm curious about what's happening here. I couldn't take my friends to our fake home because I didn't know how to operate the facial recognition system. That being the case, I wouldn't be able to open the secret door. That's why I decided to take them to the mansion in broad daylight. It would be my first time entering my own house from the front door. But first, I had to convince the security detail posted outside. There was a gigantic iron door at the entrance and a security booth for the guards. Nancy and Justin stared in disbelief, first at the majestic door, then at the towering walls. One of the guards came out of the booth. Kids, this is private property. Please leave, he said. I told the guard, you don't know me, but I live here. I want to show our house to my friends, I said. I'm not in the mood for jokes, kid. Move along, please, he groaned. My room is on the third floor, I said, trying to convince him. There's a MacBook on my bed right now. I binge-watched Netflix until late last night. I can list off every show to prove it to you. Take us up there. Son, you're a fool if you think you can play me like that. I'll have to make a citizen's arrest for trespassing if you don't leave now, he responded. Justin turned to me. Alvin, I don't know if this is your idea of a prank, but I'm not getting in trouble because of some weird lie. This guy seems pretty serious. Let's get out of here before he puts us in a chokehold or something, he said. I decided to play my last card. I'm going to tell my father about this. If you don't want to lose your job, let us in. This is my house, I screamed. At the last second, the iron gate started opening. A luxury car with dark windows was leaving the property. It stopped where we stood. The black backseat window came down. The person inside looked out and asked, What seems to be the problem here? The security guard said, Sir, this kid says he lives here. The man looked at me condescendingly. You certainly do not live here. This is my private property, and I have two daughters, no son, he said. Let's go, he commanded the driver, rolling up his window. I just stood there, shocked. He's lying. This is our house, I murmured. Justin and Nancy looked at each other nervously. Nancy said, and to think I believed you, even for a second. Justin nodded. Called it. They turned around and started walking back. I was sure that everyone at school would find out about what happened. This mansion was my home. Who was that man? Knowing it was useless to insist, I went back to my family's run-down fake house. When I walked into the house, I saw my parents waiting impatiently for me. They both looked upset. Obviously, they knew what had happened. My mom said, Alvin, we watched you and your friends on the security camera. What you did was incredibly reckless. I had tears pouring down my face. You're right, mom. I'm so sorry. But who was that man? Don't we own the mansion? I asked. My dad said, Of course we do. That man is a professional actor. Staff at the mansion think he owns the house. It's another precaution we had to take so that no one would suspect what's going on. Dad, why do we have to take so many precautions? Why are we hiding our real selves from the world? I really want to know, I pleaded. My dad looked at my mom, who nodded at him before turning to me. We hid some things from you to protect you. We knew we'd have to tell you one day, but we were worried about your mental health, Dad said, pausing. He looked back at my mom again. She nodded for him to go on. Then she started crying softly. My dad took a deep breath and began to explain. We used to be the family you always wanted us to be. You weren't born yet. We had a daughter named Betty. Everyone knew how rich we were, which made our lives incredibly difficult. We used to go everywhere with an army of guards. We all had to wear bulletproof vests. 
Then something awful happened. Someone managed to kidnap your sister. They demanded we give them a hundred million dollars as ransom. We said yes, of course, but they never released her, even though we gave them the money. The police were sure it was because Betty had seen their faces. This was a massive trauma for us. After that, your mom and I made a decision. We moved to the inner city and set up this life to hide our wealth. We lost our daughter. We couldn't protect her. We don't want to lose our son too. Alvin, all this is for you. This is the only way to live a quiet life away from danger. Now I knew everything. I hugged my dad. My mom got up and joined us. We all cried for Betty for a while. I'm really sorry about today. I didn't know you were trying to protect me. I will be careful from now on, I said. From that day on, I made mom and dad a promise to live humbly during the day and never tell anyone again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.